0: Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast. Now, why do we call it Philosophy? It's the combination of the words sales and philosophy put into one. Philosophy is a way of life that sales professionals and entrepreneurs practice with the purpose to make the world a better place from the customer's perspective. Today, I'm excited to welcome Will Dukes, who is a sales farmer from Sales Partners, a Sales and Marketing Consultancy Group. Uh, he is a translator of ideas creator of campaigns that cultivate clients. They work on preventing wasted marketing budgets and help sales and marketing teams lock horns. And uh, Will, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Now, there's clearly some unique ways that you describe yourself as a sales farmer. Would love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about your story and your background and why you use uh, some of these uh, uh, parallels to compare to what you do in your space
1: yeah certainly so well let's start where people are at like people are in business people want to, to grow their business sustain their business keep it keep it going right and to do that they they have to have clients or they have to have customers they have to have somebody that is that is exchanging money with them for uh, whatever it is that they're selling and they're not going to be able to sustain and grow a business with without that. And, you know, we could compare that to, you know, our, our own bodies, like our own lives, right? Like you, you have to, to eat every day, right? Or at least maybe not every day, right? Depending on what uh, diet program you're on these days. But you have to, to eat to be able to grow and sustain your life. And you look back at human ancestry, right? Like, like millennia ago, 10,000 years ago, like all of our ancestors were running around and we were in these little tribes, and you know, we we're hunters and gatherers. And every day it was wake up and you eat what you kill, right? Go out and right find, on. chase down the herds, or you're going and gathering and foraging out in the in the forests. And whatever you could find that day, that's what you you ate. And pretty much all your time was consumed in doing that. And I mean, we we lived for you know hundreds of thousands of, of years, if not millions of years before that, doing just that same thing, and still most animals today do that. But then like, there's this amazing thing that happened about 10,000 years ago. Somebody realized, you know what? If we just plant this seed, wait a little while, and maybe bring this thing some water, like something happens, and it will continue to produce fruit. We can be intentional about this. And we can scale this, now we can have food, and we don't have to go and chase everything. And we could, you know, domesticate the animals too, whatever. But now there there is this systematic, intentional process of producing food, and we're not just chasing it down. That allowed people to, to stay in one place, and that uh, allowed you know, villages to form, and that turned into to cities, and cities turned into civilization, and then civilization allows just like this explosion of technology and everything. And like you look at the the exponential growth of human development over the last 10,000 years. And all that fundamentally comes down to the fact that we didn't have to get up every day, leave the cave or whatever, trying to, to chase down our next meal. Still today, you know, you woke up this morning and you could probably tell me what you had for dinner last night. But if I asked you what you're going to have for dinner tomorrow night, you probably don't know. But it's not a question of if you're going to eat tomorrow night. Because they're, you know, less than 2% of the population can produce more than enough food for everybody to be able to eat to the fact that you know, we have to worry more about today what not to eat rather than if we're going to, to eat. And so take that parallel now back to sales and marketing, like how we're trying to grow our businesses. If people are in business and they're spending the majority of their time just out trying to find the next customer, then they, they don't have time to actually develop their business and to improve systems and processes and delivery, the quality of the product or service that they're actually trying to, to deliver, to hire, to do all the other things that are necessary to, to grow a business because they're just out hunting or trying to, to gather or forage for that next customer or client. So what if they could systematically and intentionally produce the kinds of clients that would, help their business to, to be able to grow. That's what the, the whole idea of sales farming comes around. And to, to my background and everything, I actually did grow up on a, a farm. So make those analogies, not just a gimmick. I actually have an advanced degree in teaching people how to grow things. And then I got an MBA. And so, you know, business just kind of fell into to that. And so that's that's how we ended up here, talking about sales, marketing, branding, and all these things in the, the terms of of growing a business just like we would try to, to grow our food supply.
0: Yeah, that, that was a wonderful explanation and, and it truly is mesmerizing. It's mind-blowing how we take it back to the beginning of humankind and how using innovation, how looking at ways to improve so that we can live more comfortably to make things just easier overall. And again, just love the marriage of, your personal background and how you were able to bring it all together uh, to the passion that you show for helping small businesses and middle sized businesses grow, scale, find ways, like you said, to be proactive in the way that they grow their business, they scale, to pause, to take a moment to think about ways to innovate and to improve processes so that they don't have to constantly be reacting. And today's theme is gonna be around, you know, I, I really love sales, right? I've always grown up in the world of sales and you have a lot of sales knowledge and background, but you also bring a special point of view from the marketing space. And of course, for anyone who's worked in marketing and in sales, you know that it's two different types of culture. They're two different types of priorities. Sometimes they they try to compete. Right. It's sort of like the kids that are trying to compete for for the parents attention, because some of that that translates to budgeting. Right. With more budgeting, you can uh, spend more marketing dollars, more marketing dollars. You look cooler as a department. You feel more relevant. And with sales, it's it's a whole different type of priority and and the type of attention they're looking for from mommy and daddy, if you will. So today I want to talk about the impact of sales and marketing teams when they are aligned or when they are not aligned. Right. I guess I want to just kick it off with the, with the question of what are the biggest reasons why sales and marketing teams don't work well together?
1: Yeah. So the, in the very beginning, you know, the, the idea is that they are they're They're often locking horns. Like we're not, we're not trying to get them to lock horns. they they, they do that well on their their own. And that, that's like the, the analogy, if you've ever seen like those, the, you know, the mountain goats or whatever, like they're, they're butting heads. It, it is that misaligned priority, when they're they're thinking about it because ultimately you get inside an organization and people are thinking about their performance their bonus their their next thing and the goal is not on the the ultimate goal of the business which is the growth of the the business like what are you measured on what's your performance measured on And if you're doing a good job then you're doing a good job and that's generally a problem from leadership not so much a problem from the people that are in sales and marketing because you tell a sales guy like all right you're going to be based on you know commission and how many deals do you close? And you tell the marketing guy, it's like, all right, well, we, we're, we care about how many deals we close, but like ultimately we're going to measure your performance on how many leads you generate. Well, then all of a sudden you have this misalignment because marketing is just like, all right, what well, leads can we generate? I just got to generate leads. And then sales comes out and say, well, these go back to Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, right? Like the leads are weak. And they don't even bother using those leads, right? And then right. they're out prospecting, spending all this time. And then the management is frustrated because they're like, "What? why am I spending all this money on marketing? The sales isn't using the marketing leads. And they're out you know, spending all that time. They're not spending any time closing deals. And we're not growing. We're not doing anything. And that's where the, the frustration often comes from. And so to use yet another analogy, because I, I, I just love analogies, to say sales and marketing are different things, I think is one of the biggest problems. And, and they are distinct, but they're distinct in the way that an engine and a transmission are distinct in a, in a car, right? They are distinct parts of the, of the vehicle, but they are components of the drivetrain. And, you know, you could throw the suspension in there too, and maybe that's service, who knows. But if you, you can have the most tricked out engine imaginable and get the you know all the inputs and I'm not you know a super big car guy but you know you know the guys who are right and they can talk about like all these things and I got this new filter and this input and like nitrous and hit a button and woo fast and furious right but if you have a problem with the transmission the car's not going anywhere and likewise like I I drive I drive a truck right and so like we no, you can get like the the super duty pickup trucks and they can have you know big badass transmissions to be able to to haul giant loads and or to to be able to to have high gearing and again gearheads can get into to all this kind of stuff and you can have transmissions that are tuned to do certain different things but at the end of the day, if you have an underpowered engine, it doesn't matter how awesome your transmission is like the car may go but it's not going to go very fast right or it, it, if the transmission can be working perfectly, but if the engine blows a cylinder like you're still not going anywhere as a vehicle and it, all yeah. that stuff is completely irrelevant. So you have to have these things properly matched and you have to, to have them both working one way or the other, or the car's not going anywhere. And the same thing is true for the business. Like if they are not aligned properly matched, if they're not both working, like the, the business is not moving forward. It's not going to, to be able to grow and to, to get to its next goal an ultimate destination. Yeah, that's another really good analogy. Um there's this book by um
0: Donald Miller, it's called uh, Business Made Simple and he uses a similar analogy with an airplane, right? Like running a business is like flying a plane, you know, and it talks about, you know, the, there's a there's the wings, then you've got the jet engine, you've got the the cockpit and and each of them represents a different aspect of running the business, but the wings are your sales and marketing. You you need both of them to fly. Uh, Um, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're going on, on one wing, you know, it's definitely not gonna gonna kind of stay in the air and it's the same concept. And we, we do know that marketing does in essence come before the sales, right? Because it's, it's the early stage of, uh, the sales funnel. And, and so I'm curious, you know, how do you bring together, uh, you know, both the teams when you're consulting with, with your, with your business, um, customers, how do you help them come together and understanding their role in, in each of the sales funnels? And, and I guess, you know, as a second part of that question is why is defining the steps in marketing and sales funnels important to small businesses?
1: All right. So I'm going to come back to answer that question by, by just kind of blowing it out of the water, but let me ask you a question first. Prospecting right? Making cold calls, right? Going out and networking. Is that a marketing function or is that a sales function? In essence, that would be a sales function. But, Why do you say
0: it's a sales function? Because it's an, an activity to try to bring in uh, sales opportunities. So what is the function of marketing then? It's, it's the same thing, but a lot, of, a lot of people would, and a salesperson would say, prospecting is my responsibility right it's my responsibility to bring in that sale and close it however if i want to be effective at prospecting i need to have great great collateral great scripting great you know brand knowledge a great value proposition and i need my marketing team to do that maybe again i'm just telling you what what a as, yeah, as, sure. My instinct like, that's as a salesperson would say is, "Hey,
1: that's absolutely that's, correct, right. right?" And the and this is this. I, and I've had these. Uh, the, I, I love having this conversation, the right? debate. Because to me, prospecting, yeah, like often it's the sales people that are out there doing prospecting, right? But prospecting is a marketing function to me, because ultimately, marketing is about identifying ideal clients and 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 qualifying folks, right? And there's always that initial qualification of people going out, they're making the, the cold calls, like, all right, you get this list, like, here's the suspects, right? And the prospects, and what are always the first couple of questions, like, oh, do you have money? Do you do anything? Before you even get into the, the, the sales conversation, right? Or at least in traditional sales training. It's qualifying, yeah. Qualification is a, is, is a marketing function, to, to me, and and again, all this stuff is kind of becoming blend together. And used to be, marketing was all about just advertising. Well, you know, advertising was a little different thing, and maybe advertising generated a lead, and then marketing or then salespeople called back up. But then, who's doing the prospecting? The, the ads were doing the prospecting, right? So, there, there, everything is kind of changing and kind of merging together and stuff. And I mean, now look at companies that that have no salespeople, right? Like. You Everything is online. Like I just canceled a subscription to uh, like one of these mushroom coffees or something I'm like, oh, all right, I'll give it a try. Right. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I you know, didn't really didn't really do it for me. Like I'm going to stick with my coffee and like their online order form had you know, objection handling built into the cancellations. Like, Oh, why are you canceling? Oh, it's because of this. Well, did you know that it takes time for the adaptive to work in your blah, 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 blah. You know, maybe you would like to just, you know, suspend this order, or maybe we give you a discount. Is that marketing or is that sales? Because it's done on computer. Like it's all becoming very, very, very blurred. Right. And this is also why, and I will come back to your question in the stages of the marketing and the, the sales funnel. And I, I've given talks before, and I talk about those analogies of, you know, the marketing funnel and the sales pipeline, you know, very um, common. A lot of times those aren't even connected. Honestly, I think those are some of the dumbest analogies in business at, at ever. And you get where they kind of come from, right? Because if you draw them out on a board and you're like, all right, you've got this big, huge thing of potential leads, but then, you know, you get qualified and they get smaller and smaller and smaller. And you're like, put your lines around. It's like, oh, that kind of looks like a funnel. We'll call it a funnel, right? Moving it through those stages, the pool gets smaller, right? And then in sales, it's kind of like, all right, well, we've gotten this qualification stage and there's the stage and just like a long pipeline, like there's stages. I get it. Growing up on a farm, I have literally laid miles and miles of pipe, you know, for, for irrigation and other things. And filling up tractors full of various types of fluid have used funnels many, many times. And here's why those analogies are so dumb, because I have never once used a funnel or used a pipe where I did not expect everything I put in the top to come out of the bottom. Sure. And yet we get into marketing and sales and there's just kind of this expectation that like, oh yeah, people are going to fall out of your funnel. People are going to fall out of the pipeline. You're going to lose it. Like, like it just doesn't make any sense. And so I say that those are bad analogies and there's just that inherent thing that, you know, you don't necessarily have to, to connect those two, which is what we see and what we were talking about before, you know, marketing has kind of, it's, it's just generating its leads. It's like, we're sending people to the funnel and then, Sales is out there trying to stick people in the pipeline from some other source. And so that comes back to this whole idea of using the, the farming analogy. Because no matter what you grow on a, a farm, like it could be something like super small, like those cute little micro greens that fancy chefs put on top of their salads and stuff. Or, or it right. could be, you know, something long term like, a, you know, down in Miami, like, like, a, like a mangrove, right? And so yep. we're going to have this big fruit tree but everything still goes through basically the same process. And that's one, a farmer has to understand what they're gonna grow and where they're gonna grow. it. Then they have to prepare the soil that they're going to plant. Then they have to actually plant that seed. Then they have to cultivate it, which means that they both nurture that seedling and they protect it. And then eventually it gets to that point of a harvest. And then if they're, they're smart and it changes up in different ways, they take that harvest and then they propagate it into another one. So like you may know, you know, a boiler or somebody like saves a little seeds out of a tomato and they're going to plant those back in the garden again, right? Like we all kind of know this and we all have kind of this experience of growing, you know, the bean in a cup back in like third grade and we saw it kind of grow up and maybe we've right. all gone out to the farmer's market or, you know, out to the, the you pick place and go get some strawberries or apples or whatever that may be. And so we kind of have this experience, but that is a continuous cycle of a, of a process. And so now compare that back to branding, marketing and sales. And you know, your branding is really about that planning and that preparing of the soil, right? So what are you going to sell and who are you going to sell it to? When are you going to, to sell it? All that needs to be in the, the prior thought. And then you have to prepare your market. And instead of kind of, tilling the soil and adding fertilizer to create this fertile environment, you know, you're creating content or you're putting out that, that collateral that ultimately builds trust and credibility and familiarity with that market. Sure. But it has to be able to resonate. And what you do to prepare that the, the soil depends on what kind of plant you're trying to grow. What you do to brand in your market depends on what you're going to sell and who you're going to sell it to. So like we're connecting those things. But that won't produce anything on its own. And a lot of people, like a lot of people in sales talk about like, oh, we're spending all this money on branding and that doesn't do anything. This stupid ad and blah, 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 blah. Well, we have to, to understand like your sales happen a lot faster and a lot easier. And you know this from your own experience. Like when people know the name of your company and, and, and don't, you don't have to explain what it is or what it's doing, like it's a lot easier to get in that sales conversation a lot faster, right? Same thing with the branding of of any kind of process. But then you do have to have an offer of value. You have to have something that is going to say, hey, there's an opportunity to do business here and to exchange service. That's marketing. That's planting that seed. And then we know, like as a farmer, like every seed that you plant does not come up, like it doesn't germinate, right? And so we expect things to fall out of that. Yeah. And then we expect things to not come to all the way to the harvest and through this this process of cultivation and nurturing, and and everything that, that that comes to the the end is not going to produce a viable fruit at the end too, right? We naturally expect kind of this attrition through that process, but ultimately, if we do it well, and not to, to belabor the point, because I waxed philosophic for a long time, right? But we're going <laughs> to get that harvest at the end, and then we have something to then come back around and propagate into the next thing. And so if people stop thinking about funnels and pipelines and like the natural just incongruency there and started thinking about things in terms of this process of growing opportunities, expecting things uh, to fall out, but having to do work along the way. And it's not just this passive thing. Like I think that would go a long way to get people cooperating and just understanding, like all of us are working together. All of us are working towards the same goal, but this is, these functions fall into this, area of the process, this stage of the process, and they're not this department, and this department, and this department. Hey,
0: everyone. I'm enjoying my conversation with Will, where we really talk about the importance of having marketing plus sales as the formula for growth, rather than marketing versus sales. It's not one versus the other. It's They both need to work together. Coming up, we talk about the evolution of sales. How marketing and sales can work together. And those who specialize and that are experts, how important it is to have sales skills in order to better serve their customers. Check it out.
1: Yeah. That was I mean, a long winded answer. So, you no, know,
0: well, I mean, you've mentioned so many things that I want to unpack, but it inspired a lot of thoughts. But I love the, the, the competing argument of, you know, funnel feels like what, what I'm hearing from you is that a funnel sometimes can be too linear right? It, it's, it just has to go that way. And then like, it's not as fluid or, you know, the buying process sometimes is it is fluid, right? A, a buyer like today, like randomly, a, a thought will come up in my head. It could be just something about, I need this. I go to Amazon, I search it and I just buy it now. Like there was nothing yeah. that inspired it or it could be circumstantial. You know, I'm seeing something over and over again, or someone mentions, Hey, you should do more of this, more of that. Sometimes it's just an impulse that gets gets inspired by something else. So, you know, sometimes the buying process is not something that we can calculate and figure out the way it is. Back to your analogy around, you know, knowing what you want to grow, soil, plant, cultivate, harvest, propagate. I probably missed a step there. I think uh, protect it. Um, you know, th- there's also seasons, when certain things yeah. are just going to be, uh, coming out and there are just moments of, because of the weather, because of other circumstances, because of things that you can't control, uh, th- where you're not going to be able to harvest it's in, the, and obviously in certain industries and in certain, uh, different type of businesses, seasonality kicks in and having a strategy for sales and marketing also differs on that. Right. And, and one thing I want to go back to, and maybe we can, you can, uh, shed some light on is that for someone, especially if we're in a space where we're doing a lot of marketing online, because that's just a a big part of the way that companies now, you know, generate revenue to buy a product. It does take frequency and exposure, right? So it's about putting it out there and seeing it enough times until you can trust the brand or you can feel more confident about uh, a, a buying decision. So which goes back to a comment you said earlier, which is and it just led me to ask myself this question. So are salespeople going to be extinct?
1: Ah, I think that's a great, I think it's a great question, right? And look at the evolution of, of things over the, the last couple of years. Think about the industries right now where there actually are truly salespeople. And, you know, there, there are very few salespeople in B2C businesses anymore, you know, Agreed. you go to a retail store, like when was the last time that you actually had a salesperson, like a truly a commissioned salesperson, right? Like they probably went, went out with like Circuit City was probably, yep. you know, and some of the consumer like, electronics. <laughs> <I Yeah. know. laughs> and so, you know, now everything is just kind of the, the service thing and people got, got away from that. And so you look at the industries where there are actually salespeople. And, you know, generally they're going to be more B2B, but ultimately it's in places where there's enough margin to justify actually paying a person. So that's why most salespeople are working in technology or high-end services these days where like there, there can be huge margins and, and that can justify those types of, of things. So I think as long as we have business to um, business and, and, where there has to be that consultative nature of, of sales. There has to be a high touch to get people to to make those, or it has to be people that navigate complicated buying processes, and, you know, especially yeah. in corporate environments. You're definitely going to have salespeople of some sort, but door-to-door. Yeah. I was some where, where were we talking about? Somewhere I can't remember where I was talking about it, but we were talking about uh you know, old encyclopedia and like Kirby vacuum salespeople and like folks that would go, you know, door to door and doing sure. that kind of, of sales. Like, yeah, I think they're they're already pretty much extinct. You know, the maybe the last remnant of that is something like the, the MLM space where you know people out there. But even those folks are are really focused on branding and marketing and creating content and doing all the stuff. And and these
0: are your uh, your Mary Kay, Herbalife. Yeah, focus, yeah, 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 right? exactly.
1: And 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 those, you know, even those get focused in on, you know, high touch, you know, relationship stuff where where people don't want to have, you know, a lot of branding. And it's just kind of become a, a different kind of channel, as as it always has been. And so I think it it really depends on the market. And just like I, you know, those those examples I, I used earlier, like salad greens as a crop, you know, salad greens grow in like a month the little microgreens that are like seasoning decoration. Like you can turn a crop around those in like two weeks you get into like a fruit tree. And now you're talking like three to five years of process, just like there are super short sales cycles, which are like online, like you said, like Amazon, like it's an impulse buy, something Mm -hmm. like that. There's, um, you know, and then there, there, there are shorter sales cycles where, you know, you can, you've been at networking events where you might, meet somebody out there and they're just a, a business owner and you're like, Hey, I can use that. And it's like, it's no big deal. Like, you know, maybe what they're selling is, is 50 or hundred bucks, a florist or something like that. You want to go get a, uh, a bouquet for your lady. And, but then there's, there's things that are very long cycle. And so like one of my yeah. clients right now sells to health insurance companies, like my God, like that is a, a two year sales cycle in general. And, and, you know, anything less than that is looked at as really good. Yeah. And so, You've got to have people that are following up in those kinds of processes and those kinds of of industries.
0: As as certain products or services become more specialized or complex or have larger ticket items, or there are multiple decision makers and million dollar high budgeted, and especially if it's going to change an entire infrastructure. Oh, or yeah. framework of, of an organization. Of course, you need someone out there that not only is a specialist in, in helping those prospects make the right decision, but they need to have sales skills, which kind of takes me to, it's not necessarily around the salesperson becoming extinct. I think to your point in B2C is definitely an endangered species or a dying breed. It probably does still exist somewhere in the Midwest out there. There's still folks doing yeah. the, the old school traditional ways. I'd love to meet one of those, uh, uh, that would be an interesting individual to meet those the surviving and, breed
1: and higher end, you know, consumer services, consumer sure. products, like, you know, that you, you go right. to North like and, you know, like there's, you still- know, like
0: a 20,000, 40,000, you know, home theater system you want to put in your exact house. Cause right. they, and that's what I did back in, uh, in circuit city and best buy when I, I was in electronic stores, but it almost, it also seems like, and this is not news to anyone, but you know, folks who are like professionals and you specialize with lawyers, for example, I know that that's, that's a, you work with many different types of industries, but the law industry is, is something that you also uh, consult with. And it almost seems like we need to teach these professionals, these experts, to also be good at sales, right? Like I work with tax firms and sometimes yeah. accountants, you know, they undervalue. In what what they can offer, right, because of their yeah. specialty, because of the time they spent building experience, subject matter expertise, and authority in, in a very complex subject, similar as a lawyer, maybe even a doctor, maybe even just other experts in certain niche. And so in your experience, what would you share that is the biggest thing that holds back these experts in certain industries from becoming good at selling or, you know,
1: what, why is
0: this important?
1: Yeah. So that, that's a, man, that's a really great question. So I, I, I think, and, and this is true in a a lot of, of sales training that we go to, right. All right. And, and and you've been involved in and and whatnot, like a lot of it has to do with mindset Uh, you know, some of it is, is technique, but you know, a lot of it just has to do with, with general attitudes, uh, around things, and there are the the personality types and all that kind of stuff, right? If you're if you're on certain attorneys, uh, you know, engineers, accountants, like those kind of learning professional types, they're very intellectual. They're they're onst- constantly looking at, you know, the the logical side of things, or they're wanting to get in and solve the problem, right? Like that's their disposition naturally. And then you get into a sales environment, and all of a sudden, it's not. Like as much as people like to say like, oh, I'm a very rational decision maker. Like you may be more so than some other people, but ultimately all decision is driven by emotion. Oh, yeah. And Like there has to be a desire there. Right. And so you have to be able to identify that and you have to be able to have a level of empathy and you have to to be able to to navigate those things. And I know for me, even like I, I come from like this science background and it was like a light bulb going off. Because like if you use the DISC profile and there's plenty of other things uh, to do, it, they right. talk about like those C types, the very analytical types. They may be the only ones that, that actually mean it when they say they need to think about it, right? And me being that way, like I, have, I, I always say that, that folks are generally like if there's prospecting, presenting, and closing in, in terms of sales, traditional sales, people are usually very good at one, okay, at another and suck at the third. Sure. And, uh, and I've never been, and I'm still not, I'm not a hard closer. I, you know, I'm not the closer, right? Like I'm really good at, at presenting. I'm okay at prospecting and I'm not a closer. Right. But you know, it's a, it's a skill that you can develop. Right. But the, I, this is why I can appreciate it so much and why I do well with, with attorneys. Cause I can relate to them a lot. Sure. Attorneys are always like, Oh, it's always on the facts. You got to make a, a hard decision. So they they don't recognize that 3 quarters of the people more or less like need somebody to actually give them permission or tell them it's okay or to ask them to take action they're not going yes. to just think about it and do it like they may think about it like yeah this is good but they they're still going to to not do anything yeah and it can be i think that that can be very true for like i say anybody that's in that kind of learning professional and that that's true of a lot of, of different things it's just kind of like learning empathy, learning the natural behaviors uh, of people, like what are the psychological processes that people go through in decision-making. And, and all that comes down to, again, attitudes, and then it does come down to to techniques and the willingness to put them into, into place. And, and, you know, that's why I use the, the harvest analogy, because, you know, we, we harvest watermelons a lot different than you, uh, you harvest sweet corn and every other kind of crop that's out there as well. And so you have to Change up those processes according to to what it is you're selling and who you're selling to
0: yeah, because I'm hearing you say some of these things you know p- putting it simply you know salespeople whether whatever trade you're in you're just there to really help give someone the confidence to make a decision and it, a, a decision mostly is driven by an emotion and like you said sometimes yeah you get at the end of the day make after making a decision you can try to look put the logic behind it, but there's always the feeling of you know, either there's fear or there's the positive emotion that you get out of it, love or excitement or whatever yep. that could be. So if it's, sometimes you could say, oh my God, what if, what if I make this investment and I lose the money? And you know, th- then go, there goes the fear part, right? But then what if I get this and this helps me 5x, 10x my income producing capabilities, but having someone next to you to teach, you know, to show you the, the benefits, the features, ask you the questions, diagnose, help yourself discover that you know the decision you'll make is the right fit. Or maybe it's just not the right fit because a great salesperson is not just someone who's always closing everything and has a 100% sales ratio. A great salesperson is someone who can qualify hard, qualify really well, build trust, and help the consumer make the right decision and be confident about that purchasing decision. I want to transition into The conversation about sales and marketing again. And if you were to bring something to our listeners around some ways that marketing and sales teams can have better synergy, what would be two or three tips or ways that you felt that it has worked? You know, if you have some lack of collaboration, ways to improve that synergy between those two teams, what would be a couple things that you would recommend?
1: Yeah. So, and th- this will be a, a hard one, but one, you have to focus everybody on the the number of deals that are closed. And so maybe everybody's not compensated the, the, the same way in that. That can get a little bit tricky when you're dealing with, with larger teams, but ultimately it comes down to that and you take your sales team out of, out of prospect. You separate that into a you know uh, business development rep SDR what well, you know people call it different things but they're under under marketing and get rid of get rid of your you know um marketing you know head of marketing and head of of sales or you know there is a CMO like one person that's that's in charge and they're looking at the whole process as a whole thing as long as you continue to treat them as different departments that have different goals and different metrics yeah. They're going to behave in different departments and different me- and, you know, under, under different metrics. And sure. that's the, the single biggest thing. When people have a clear goal that they have to, to get to, like they will drive towards the goal. That's like our minds are, are wired for that. So if you tell your marketing team that they're not going to be successful unless sales closes, they're going to be really pissed off about it because I don't have full yeah. control over that. Well, you're right. You don't. But you best do your damnedest to make sure that whatever leads are going to the sales team are going to be the best qualified and people that are already prepared and have already had objections answered. And then you need to be communicating with the salespeople on a regular basis, getting feedback on market research and what are they saying and what are the objections that they're getting and what are they, you know, what are the, the questions that are coming up ahead of time, right? And so there, there has to be that that kind of research, feedback, cooperation component. And you take the the salespeople out like they they shouldn't be cold calling or if you have a cold calling component, it's not considered a, a sales function. It's it's considered a, a marketing function. And when you take those things away, so sales can't generate their own leads and marketing can't be rewarded unless you're actually closing deals, then you're actually moving everybody along lines of the goal of the business, which is to get new clients and well-qualified. ones. Fantastic.
0: Will, time has flown by, you know, just us talking about this and, and we could talk about it all day uh, because, you know, you and I love uh, sharing some of these uh, experiences and knowledge and wisdom. And uh, I'm so grateful to have you share all of this amazing value that you, uh, that you shared with us and I uh, would love to kind of finish off by asking you, uh, how can folks get uh, in front of you and, and get in touch with you if ever they want to accelerate their sales and marketing efforts so that they can grow their businesses and you help them harvest?
1: Yeah, so the, the best way to, uh, to get in touch uh, with me directly is actually through LinkedIn. So if you just look uh, Will Dukes, you'll find me there. It'll say Will Dukes, sales farmer. And uh, there'll be a little tractor in my name, and uh, yes. and that'll that'll be me. Um, the we've got our, our websites. So we're actually going through some uh, rebranding, so uh, salespartnersusa.com will uh, ultimately lead you to wherever we're at in our redevelopment process, right there. But that's uh, that's our website.
0: Good stuff. Well, Will Dukes, Mister Sales. Farmer. Thank you so much for your time today. It's been a pleasure and an honor to have you looking forward to connecting with you in the future and continuing some conversation to talk more about sales and marketing. Uh, With that, thank you everyone for listening in and until next time.